0: It was a good day for John Fisher's wallet. It was a bad day for Oakland fans. But let's not pretend that John Fisher actually cares about the Oakland Athletics. Uh, As Clevelanders, we should know a little bit something about losing your team, and we should stand in solidarity with the Oakland fans, because you never know when it's going to be your team next. We'll touch on that, whether or not Jose Ramirez can contend for another MVP in the future. We'll take another look at the Guardians' starting pitching depth and some players not added to the 40-man roster on today's Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to another episode of Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Justin Ladd. Before we get started today... I want to let you know today's episode of Lockdown Guardians is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase Jace Case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat over fifty infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's j a s c medical.com. I want to make you want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. We're free everywhere you can get podcasts. We're on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, we're still creeping towards that two thousand subscriber mark on YouTube. Would love to get there by the end of the year, end of 2023. So, again, if you haven't subscribed yet and you like the show, feel, you know, hit that button to subscribe. And if there's any friends out there would enjoy some Guardians content in the offseason, we're going to keep bringing you five episodes a week uh, throughout the uh, offseason. We'll probably take a smaller break on Thanksgiving with the holidays, uh, but we're going to be here covering your team every day, five days a week, whatever happens this offseason, whether or not. There's more money cutting spending or if there's any big trades that happen. Speaking of money cutting or money going into someone's wall, I got to be honest. I was pretty fired up today about the approval of the Oakland Athletics moving to Las Vegas. And I don't like telling fans how to feel. I'm not going to tell you how to feel. It's not what we do here. But I would think if you're a Cleveland sports fan, even if you're, even if you're not a Browns fan, um, if you're a Cleveland sports fan, look, we've seen a team in Cleveland – be gone before we moved to another city before we've been through that, whether or not you're a Browns fan or not. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really a Browns fan. I, uh, the team, I was like six when Cleveland moved to Baltimore and they came back and that was my introduction to the NFL for the most part. So I'm pretty lukewarm on a pretty terrible franchise, but that doesn't mean I can't understand the, the pain of losing that team. And that means we should understand what's going on in Oakland too. And I was pretty fired up about the comments that John Fisher had about how it's a bad day for Oakland, but a great day for Las Vegas. It was a good day for John Fisher's wallet. Let's call. It, let's just call it what it is. It was a good day for the man's wallet. This is a guy who inherited his billions from his from a, a company he didn't start, and a team he just absolutely sank to the absolute bottom with on purpose to get out of there. And and all thirty owners that approved this, they should be shamed. They approved this team moving to another other city. Well, it's not the first time a baseball team has moved. But it's always a tragedy when it is that team, you know, the bills might be paid by a billionaire. And, you know, if we're being honest, I understand this this sport doesn't exist without billionaires writing the checks for the player salaries and all that kind of stuff. And I understand that is what it is. And there are people who are going to gripe about that. But at the end of the day, there's none of these, none of these sports exist without fans either that we're the ones giving them our money to keep this thing going. And And the TV situation is directly tied into that, right? We see that we have cable, we have cord cutters that are directly affecting cable subscriptions that are de- directly affecting how much money goes into TV contracts. And it's starting to bleed a little bit on the TV side of things. You know, maybe we should do the same thing to owners like John Fisher and get him out of baseball because he's what's bad for baseball. He's bad for sports. Um, and And this, this can be applied to any owner. Don't own a team. If you're not going to spend, just don't don't. And this is why every every owner would do the same exact thing. This is why, this is why I'm fired up, and this is why I think people should really be in solid air with Oakland fans because this this is any team, this is any owner. And Obviously, you got your New Yorks and your LAs and your Philadelphias. None of those teams have any shot of ever being uprooted. That you know they're they're good there. Um, but your Cleveland's, your Milwaukee's, Oakland, um, Arizona. I don't know any of those teams could be uprooted and moved. Right. If it's not, if it's not you now, it could be you in the future. And that's why all 30 owners voted for this. Um, And the owners don't even appear to like John Fisher that much. or don't trust him because they put in a clause on, upon voting for the move to Las Vegas that said John Fisher would be taxed heavily if he turned around and tried to sell the team once they moved to L.A. to, to try to turn a profit very quickly. So the owners kind of think that he might do something like that. He might move the team out of Oakland and try to turn around and sell it and cash in. And that's why they put the provision in that he would be taxed as he did. So the owners, the other owners don't even trust John Fisher, but they voted for this. And they voted for it because if they ever want to move the team, they want all twin other other owners to vote for the same thing. It's sad. There are no good billionaires. There are no good owners in sports. It's sad. It's pathetic. And Rod Manfred, same thing. Absolutely pathetic. Said that uh, it was it was a question asked of him about whether he thought John Fisher was a good owner or not. And he said, I think over the course of the long term, he's been a pretty good owner. Yeah, well, Rob Manfred gets paid $25 million a year to show for the owners. Uh, they're his bosses. What else is he going to say? I debase myself publicly, too, if I made $25 million a year. I, I'm, I guess I can't blame him. You give me $25 million a year, I'll probably say whatever you want to say. $25 million a year. Money insulates you from any sort of criticism. They don't care. I don't believe that Rob Manfred likes, you know, that cares about the sport. I believe he cares about the money. Same with the owners. It's a business and I get it. And if I'm being honest with you, I, for a couple hours today, and maybe, maybe still I'm racking my brain around this. It's, it's hurting how I feel about the sport. I've loved the sport since I was five and my dad thought I was going to hate it. And cause I was blowing dandelions in the outfield and not paying attention. And then I asked him if we got hurt, if we got to go home. Um, and for some stupid reason, I love this sport. I love the nineties the Indians. And then the bond I created with my dad and the good memories I had here in Cleveland. It's why I love baseball today. And it's things like this that hurt my connection with baseball. And now Oakland fans are hurt. And I hope people a lot, I've seen a lot of, I don't know. I don't know if this for sure is true because, you can't take social media as a real pulse of of life, but I've seen a lot of apathy and and even some disdain from, from Las Vegas residents on whether or not they want this team or not, or whether they wanted this move. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Um, It's sad. It's pathetic. And, you know, I I said, as Clevelanders, we should understand, we should, you know, feel that connection with Oakland fans for losing a team. I know there weren't a lot of fans. People are going to say, well, they didn't have any fans to begin with. They had diehard fans. They did. That stadium was in terrible shape, and I'm not believing any of the lies that John Fisher told about how long, how hard they tried to get a new stadium to do something to keep o- to keep the team in Oakland. He could have sold the team to somebody else. They had a lot of options on the table. What it came down to is he wanted someone to finance a new stadium for him, and they wanted he wanted more money to do it. The reason he didn't take a deal was because they didn't offer enough money from taxpayers to keep the A's in Oakland. They, he wanted more money being spent by the public to build a new stadium, to bring a new place to life. He didn't want to spend his money, money that he didn't even earn money that he inherited from a business he didn't start. So we should be sympathetic. And I, I mean, I, I'm not saying anybody should boycott anything. Do what you want. You know, it's a short life and we've got to hold on to the things that give us a little bit of joy and, you know, God knows there's a lot of things that bring us pain and and apathy and all kinds of uh, problems in the world. And we need to hang on to the things that do make us happy. So if baseball makes you happy, obviously it makes me happy or it mostly does on, except on days like today when this happens, you know, we got a whole lot of those things, but sometimes there's just a point where you've got to look at, look at these things and maybe I'm making a big deal over, you know, a franchise that may not, matter all that much but as clevelanders we should know how this feels the, i mean the browns maybe had a little more root in cleveland they were started in cleveland and they were founded by you know in the state where football i think was was found in can don't hold me to that i i probably should know better than that and i know the a's weren't originally in oakland so maybe it's not a one-to-one you know comparison here but we've lost a team before and there are some passionate fans in Oakland and I feel bad for them today. And I feel bad for where the sport is going. Cause it's just nothing but money grubbing everywhere and money drives everything. And here we are. So uh, I'll probably get over it. I'm sorry for, for starting this podcast off on such a negative note, but I um, had to get it off that off my chest. I, I don't like it. And um, I hope we can move on from it, but I, it's going to be awfully hard to get over maybe in time, Will time heal all wounds? I don't know. Will Oakland getting a team back make things better if there's some sort of expansion and new ballpark? I don't know. That could be years off. I guess we'll find out. MVPs were announced on Thursday, and Jose Ramirez finished again in the top 10. Is he going to find another chance to finish in the top 10, the top three? Will he win an MVP? I don't know. We're going to take a look here in just a second. before we take a look at Jose Ramirez's future mVP chances let's have a quick personal chat what are we doing about our health we spend a lot of time talking about things that fire us up like I did today um, but health should get us fired up as well um and let's face it medications subscriptions are rising supply chain issues are an issue and and honestly who wants to go refill subscriptions all the time with with tedious trips to the to the to the pharmacy I sure don't and this is why Jace case makes sense to me, because it is not only is a doctor created, doctor recommended. Um, you can get up to a year supply of medications, including ED medications, um, and you don't have to. You know, they're cheaper than they you would get. Um, just buying them over the counter. You don't have to go to the store to renew them. Um, all it takes is to get a Jace case is fill out a form online. In some cases, jump on a quick call with one of the Jace medicals board-certified physicians, you can get ongoing care from them, uh, any treatment-related questions. And honestly, the emergencies pop up too. You don't want to be caught unprepared if an emergency happens. If you're traveling, um, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And Jay's case handles everything online from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So if somebody you love or you would love to get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, Go to Medical, com to see if that medication is offered. Use our promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase, in addition to getting better prices on over the counter medications and subscriptions. Also, before we get into the Jose Ramirez MVP or future MVP candidacy, uh, I want to remind you that Locked On has launched the first ever national 24 7. Sports streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown sports today is here for you 24 seven covering the top stories of the day with local experts from all of our lockdown network channels. Plus our national shows covering every league, go to lockdown sports today on YouTube. After you're done watching lockdown guardians, subscribe to the first ever national 24 seven sports streaming channel. So if you need more baseball news, God knows there's going to be a lot of it with winter meetings. Sure. They'll have the, the Oakland situation covered. I know. Sully is a passionate baseball fan and he's a California guy, so I'm sure he's got a lot to say on the Oakland situation. So, if you want to hear more on that and, and maybe another take on that, go check that out. Um, love Sully, love Jose Ramirez too. So, Jose Ramirez uh, ends up finishing in the top 10 once again in MVP. He ends up finishing, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, t- exactly 10th. <laughs> Uh, got four seventh place votes. That's as high as he got. Uh, he got five ninth place votes. Got to wonder though, if, if Jose Ramirez is never going to chase down that elusive MVP, if Cleveland is ever going to get another MVP, uh, at least in the near future, still stuck on, you know, the last one being Al Rosen in 1953, it's been a long drought. It's, it's getting to be as long as the, uh, the world series drought. I can, can Jose Ramirez break that? Um, you know, we've talked on, on the show in the past whether or not Jose can break that can break that streak if he can get an MVP. Certainly the most deserving candidate since, you know, maybe Albert Bell or Grady Sizemore. Um, the numbers aren't that bad. You know, obviously this was, from an offensive standpoint, this is one of his lowest output years. And that's not to say he didn't have a good year, let's be honest here. Jose Ramirez, still one of the best players in the league. Still, you know, a top 10 player. Everybody wants him. That's why John Morosi keeps trying to trade him to Seattle or God knows where else. Um, but the numbers are, are, we're down this year. The slugging percentage was down. The batting average was fine. Um, OVP right where it was. Strikeout rate still very, very healthy. Actually the lowest it's been um, since 2017 before he, when he really hit his, his breakout. So not striking out a lot. The problem really was for him this year was, was you know, maybe a little bit of more aggression um less balls in the air you know less fly balls this year the power number is not quite as good obviously it's like this is the first time he's had a slugging percentage below 500 um since 2019 when he had that horrible first half when he was still struggling at, at the end of 2018 uh lowest home run total since that year as well so and that was a fluke year that was we knew what happened there he got out of his Um, his usual approach to to pulling the ball and hitting it in the air, he started, you know, worrying about the shift and people tried telling him to go their way with it. And then he got things back on track by just doing what he does best. And that's cranking everything he can to his pull side over the wall. And that's what got him back to MVP status again. And, you know, this year things kind of faded a little bit. He, he still pulled the ball, you know, quite a bit more than he did a year ago. Um, but less than he did in 21, less than 20, although we're going to throw all the 20 numbers out the window. Um, and Jose Ramirez is a guy who in the past has not really carried a lot of great batted ball data in terms of stack cast data. Like he's never been in the upper percentiles of hard hit rate of barrel rate, um, exit velocity, all those things. He has never been one of those super top tier guys. And the good news for him is he's not lost anything there. Uh, his exit velocity was actually at 90 this year which is the best it's been outside of 2021. That was actually equal to it. So exit velocity was good this year. Max exit velocity was 111. That's three down from his peak. It's fantastic. As launch angle was goes down a little bit, we talked about him not hitting as many fly balls. The things that I look at most here are the chase rate. Now he doesn't swing and miss a lot, but we did, did see some more chases this year. And some of that was on pitches that he probably should have avoided. You know, this team really needs to take more walks. Jose is, is chief among them uh even though he's got a 10% walk rate, he can do more. Um that this year at a 28.2 chase rate percent chase rate 28.7 a year ago, these are his two highest chase rates of his career, uh, since he broke out in 2016. He has not had a chase rate that high since 2016 in the last two years. So, you know, maybe there's some impatience there. Maybe he's trying to do too much, wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, the other thing I look at too is is run value. Now run value, uh is pretty simplistic. It's not something you want to take too, too much to heart. And don't think I'm reading into this. Like this is, you know, anything that really absolutely matters and it's predictive it may not be predictive at all, but it's kind of showing us what happened. And it's just a more simplistic view of maybe what happened and what, why Jose Ramirez's numbers were down this year. So um, positive run value, obviously good, negative bad. It just puts it on, on a spectrum. Um, so for instance, Jose Ramirez in 2021, a, uh, run value of 16 against 14 fastballs. That's fantastic. He was in the red that, that year. It was fantastic. Uh, and for a pitcher, you want it to be negative. So a hitter is better. Uh, this year it was five. Last year it was 12 against 14 fastballs. This year it was five. So still positive, but down from the last two years. And the thing that's concerning is that usually when guys start to come down from their peak and you start to see problems is sometimes they're beat by good velocity and they stop hitting fastballs. So not the case with Jose yet. Um, Numbers were still pretty solid and actually expected stats against fastballs say that he should have done better. He got unlucky. So he had 278 against fastballs with the 500 slug expected stats say that he should have hit 306 with the 540 slug so much better. And again, these aren't necessarily predictive. It's just a way to tell what happened and maybe you can hope for some regression on some of these things. So it's just a way to look what happened. The thing that does kind of alarm me as well is uh, negative run values against the changeup. Normally a pitch Jose handles very well, negative five this year, Last year, it was a five. The year before, it was a 12. Historically, he's done very well against that pitch, and uh, he was in the negative on sliders and curveballs. So this year, the only positives run value-wise from Jose Ramirez's production uh, were on fastballs, four-seamers and sinkers and cutters. So he still handles the fastball well, and and that, that's that's good for Jose because he should be hunting fastballs. That's the kind of hitter he is. He should be hunting fastballs. He crushes those. If you dare throw him one, he should punish it. Um but in the past, he's handled off-speed pitching a little bit better. So I don't know if it's an approach change. Guys are not throwing him in a different pitch mix necessarily. It could be a different sequence. Maybe maybe he's getting the same percentage of pitches that he normally gets in terms of change of slider fastball curve. Maybe it's a sequencing thing. I, I did not look that deep. Um, but the other thing, too, is like, okay, so next year, Steamer has Jose Ramirez projected at a 5.2 war with 27 homers, 23 doubles, and a 133. WRC plus, that's a fine year. That's a, that's, a, that's basically what he did this year. And that's good. The problem is the field. You know, you had Otani who won the MVP this year. If he stays in the AL, God, he, I don't know if he'll win it next year if he can't pitch. Um, he's certainly a good enough hitter, but uh, I guess that remains to be seen. He is just a DH. A lot of DHs don't always win, which is surprising for Jordan Alvarez, who's projected at 5.7 more next year. By fangraphs And then you've got Aaron Judge, who you know had a down year, but projections still really like him. julio Rodriguez continues to to get a lot of hype. Allie Rutschman has a very high Steamer projection next year. Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon both had um second and third place votes this year. And uh he, and Corey Seager is projected to have another great year next year. Gunnar Henderson got some votes, uh, high projection for next year. Kyle Tucker Bobbywood Jr. both got votes. High projections next year. You never know if Mike Trout's going to come back and do what he's done before if he if he stays healthy for a year. So the field's tough. The field's very tough. Jose would have to really break back out. Um, I thought with the elimination of the shift, you would see a better year for him this year uh, or a more, more MVP cal- caliber year. He did not. You know We know he struggled with Josh Naylor out of the lineup quite a bit. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, I think he can rebound and have a better year than he did this year. I just kind of wonder if those, uh, those 2018, 2021 years are gone. Like He could still be a 30-30 player, which might can help him contend for the MVP. I don't know. Um, but I kind of wonder with the field and the way, th- way things have gone, if uh, MVP you know has, has kind of fallen out of the sights for Jose Ramirez. I kind of wonder. Let me know what you think in the comments. If you think Jose, if you feel like he can contend for another MP- MVP, I sure hope so. Um, still, I think he's going to have, have plenty of good seasons ahead of him. I, you know, all players are, uh, victims of father time, unless you're LeBron James, but even he's had issues, uh, staying healthy. Hope that isn't for Jose Ramirez, but you know, I just kind of wonder if the chance to win MVP has kind of passed him by the field's good things of, you know, he is getting older. You never really know. Uh, there's some comments I want to get to from yesterday as well. that You left in the, in the comments section that were good, good questions. We'll take another look at the guardians starting pitching depth and I'll quickly run through some players that didn't get out of the 40 man roster I might not get too deep on those because I still might wait for Jeff to come back um, next week as he gets over cat scratch fever. Uh, get well, Jeff, <laughs> and talk about those with him. So stick with us here on Lockdown Guardians. All right. Some good comments that you guys left yesterday. I got some good questions in the comments you wanted to talk about. Um, very quickly, too, I wanted to throw this out. So if, when we do get to 2,000 subscriptions, whatever that is, on YouTube, I uh, talked about it. might be good to do another full mailbag episode. We'll do those again, but um, normally we don't do like a full mailbag episode sometimes, um, or we might just let one of our listeners pick the topics. We might take a couple topics from, from a couple of you. So could be a way to get us to 2000 subscriptions and, and get some fan interaction as well. I did have a question from somebody who said, uh, believe many viewers like to read the messages you've been taping to the front of your hoodie, but we can't as my microphone covers it and the bottom border covers the rest. Uh, I'm not putting any subliminal messages or taping any messages to my hoodie. Actually, it's a hoodie I bought offline. that says, uh, journalism is printing what someone else does not want printed. Everything else is public relations. Uh, that's on the hoodie. I have that quote on the, on the hoodie is attributed to George Orwell. I did find out that he didn't actually write that or say that, but I like the quote nonetheless. I think it's a a good reminder in this day and age of, of journalism. So no subliminal messages on my hoodies. Maybe I'll start doing that though. Maybe I'll start putting, uh, messages on there that in case I've ever held captive against my will to uh, record these podcasts that uh, somebody will see the, the messages and help me out. Um, somebody mentioned uh, Kosar said, what about a roll five pick of Hudson Haskin or Matt Gorski? I do like Hudson ha- Haskin. I, I, I'd be interested. I don't know about Cleveland's interest because he strikes out a lot, but someone we could definitely talk about um, when we get to that part of the thing. Uh Someone did correct me and say that uh, Ramon Laureano's projection is four million for arbitration, not um, six. And let's see what else we had. We had uh, Cal Quantrill had fan, some fantastic mileage from Mike Fingerbottom, but pitching if he at best, basically t-ball in the playoffs. He was not good in twenty and twenty twenty-two in the playoffs. Um, not something you pay six million for. And here's here's how we're going to segue into the pitching depth conversation again. So I feel like people are missing the boat on this. Okay. Yeah. Cal Quantrill is not exactly at the top of the projections in terms of a guy that you feel great about paying $6 million for. And I'm very curious to see, okay, here's the other thing about, about DFA him too, is this is Cleveland did try to trade him. They probably are going to trade him. We'll see what offers they get. But obviously there wasn't a lot of interest around the league or they would have gotten a deal done sooner perhaps. So projections next year do have Cal having a rough year, 510 ERA, 512 FIP and 21 starts over 118 things. Not a lot of strikeouts walk total still pretty low. So yeah, for 6 million, 6.6 million, that's kind of rough. Not going to lie. Um, we'll see what the other, the market evaluates in that. Maybe th- this is as much to me about Cleveland reading the market on Cal crunch, thinking nobody else might view him as a $6 million player. So if they are correctly judging that he is not a $6 million player, um, if somebody else does, I'll be curious to see how that goes. And maybe that's just a team that has a little more financial flexibility from wherever that money comes from. I want to try to get away from money at some point when we talk about baseball, because it's driving me nuts mm-hmm. the last two days. Um, but as bad as his projections are, and, and finding someone to replace him, and finding that depth also isn't cheap. I, I think we're going to we're going to have to have a discussion this offseason on what starting pitching is going to cost. We got to look at what it's going to cost in terms of trades or or uh, free agent salary and the cost of depth. Got to remind everybody that 14 pitchers started a game for Cleveland last year. We had to watch Daniel Norris make three or four starts and get dfa three or four times and come back. And claiming Lucas Giolito and having to throw out 2022 2023 version of Noah Syndergaard that wasn't good, that was very broken. That's not good. That's this is it's, it's a cry for death. That's watching the Guardian. Okay, you got great starts almost every time out when you called up Bybee Allen and Williams, right? That was great. Those guys all came up and they pitched exactly like you had hoped, they were all forced up a little bit sooner than. Cleveland had hope. They were hanging on to um, some guys they wanted to try to hang on to and squeeze a little more juice out of. They did so with Aaron Savali. They unfortunately caught the injury bug with Beaver and McKenzie, and they could not do more with with Zach Plec and Cal Quantrill. They all got hurt. But see, they started with all those guys. They started with all of them, and you can argue that maybe it wasn't smart to start with Zach Plec. Maybe it wasn't start, smart to start with Hunter Gaddis or or uh, Cal Quantrill. All those things that happened, but they dipped in, they were able to dip into by the Allen Williams last year to help them with their injury issues. Um, Pitchers get hurt. And if they hang on to Bieber, you don't know because he's been hurt two of the last three years. McKenzie made two starts, three starts, two starts last year. He's got injury history too. i am saying the same thing over and over again. And the best predictor of future injury is past injury, especially with pitchers. Pitchers get hurt. So you're starting five now you're hoping if you hang on to Beaver, which, you know, we keep thinking he, they're going to now, um, Beaver McKenzie, Bybee, Allen Williams. There are some years you get luckier and get more starts from those guys. You know, you may not, are you going to get 30? You hope so. Everybody needs depth. And, you know, you got Zavion Curry, who it depends on what you want to do with his role, right? He can be a spot starter. I'm not sure I'd want him starting every fifth day. I like Xavion Curry. I took a picture with him on my wedding day, by the way. Uh, great dude. Um, but I'm not sure you want him starting every fifth day. He's a guy who's a good fill in when you have an injury to start. Um, you know, a guy that can make two starts for you while a guy is recovering some from some ailment. You do have Joey Cantillo you can dip into, but again, he has his own injury history, and that's a rookie. Again, do you want to do that long term? I don't know. Do you want to do Hunter Gaddis again long term? I think we both, Jeff and I, both think he's better as a reliever. I think he's better as a reliever and not a guy you want long-term if there's an injury. Okay. Daniel Spino. We don't think he's going to be back until May. I have one more thing on him before we get out of here today. Um, You know, we don't know when he's going to be back. He's got an injury history. If he's healthy though, who cares if he's healthy might be great. (laughs) But uh, you know, I, I feel like anything you get from this year is a bonus because you just don't know. Cody Morris injury history. You don't know with him. We don't even know what his role is going to be next year. He's 27. He's never pitched a full season he um, could be depth. You know, that would, that would be a good thing. Do you want to keep leaving that guy in triple a, maybe they move him. I don't know. Just, they're going to have to go out this offseason season, acquire some depth. And the, and the question is, what is the cost of that depth? And what is the quality of that depth? Because yeah, you don't want to send any of these three rookies down, but get to spring training with six starters for five spots. And if six of them are healthy at the end of spring training, maybe figure it out then because things happen. And You need to buy time for some of these young guys too. And you need to make sure that you're prepared if something happens, if one of these guys needs a break or, you know, if McKenzie or Bieber break down because they have injury problems in the past, you know, the cost of depth is expensive and yeah, 6 million for Cal might not be great. We'll see what happens. Maybe there won't be a market for him. Maybe they can get him back at 3 million. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm just saying that you have to consider that 14 pitchers made starts for Cleveland last year. And We'll find out this offseason whether or not Cal Quantrill is a six million dollar player or not. Um, he may not be, but what is the cost of depth? What is the cost of starting pitching? And uh, let's let's be honest. I I will. I don't know what I'll do. I'll make some sort of bet with anybody who wants to make a bet um, whether or not Cleveland needs more than six starters next year because um, they absolutely will. Maybe seven. And who are those seven? We don't really know. Um, you know, beyond the guys I talked about, you know, Morris and and Cantillo and. Maybe Espino and, and maybe Gaddis. Um, you know, maybe you get uh a Will Dion start. That's that's about where they're at right now. Beyond that, the, the depth is not really, I'm not really confident in the depth. Like Will Dion might be their best non-40 man starter right now. Um and he does he throws 92, throws 91, 92 at best. So we'll see how that goes. I really wanted to get into a few more things today. We did not um, I did see a comment on fan graphs from Eric Longenhagen who said that Mike Chernoff told him back at the GM meetings that uh, Daniel Spina was on a throwing program. So there might be some communication things there. I'm not sure. So take that with a, a grain of salt, but Eric's somewhat usually reliable. And if it came from Mike Chernoff, I trust it. Um, Kai Correa is also a coaching free agent. Um, wanted to mention him. He was a former Cleveland minor league uh, infield instructor. Very well liked here. Wouldn't be surprised to see him brought back. If John McDonald doesn't want the third base job, you never know with him. Uh, we'll find out. I want to talk about players who didn't get out of the 40 man roster. Didn't get to do that today. Jeff and I want to have some episodes on um, players that the guardians can trade for in all 29 teams. We want to talk about rule five picks. We want to talk about uh, reviewing the, all the positions around the team, starting pitching first base, third base. We're going to review all those positions and their performances from 2022. And we're going to do that all next week. So thank you for tuning in again this week to Lockdown Guardians. Subscribe on YouTube. Get us a 2K. Thanks for listening. And go, go, Guardians go.